Cam, Cam, Cam. You get to say your catchphrase again. Hit him with it. Oh, this has been a long wait. But all in all, there's only one rule in American motorsport. You pour in blood, sweat, and tears. And then you lose to Penske. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey gang, welcome to episode 390 of the Penske-owned Motorsport 101 podcast, and uh, welcome to IndyCar St. Louis St. Louis 500, uh, or sorry to call it, Gateway. Um, remember, remember when we sponsored the lap of this race? It was a good time. Um, lap 101, hashtag on brand! On brand! But uh, welcome to episode 390 of Motorsport 101. We're here to talk IndyCar with only three rounds to go in its championship. The Traveling Circus heads to Gateway uh, at the Worldwide Tech Raceway. And uh, oh boy, we had a story and a half for this race. This was a race that took, God, nearly four and a half hours to finally get through. This race was not done until 3.30 a.m. UK time. <laughs> it was a thanks to your friend and ours, the casual weather act of God. Yes, we we were due one of these in IndyCar. I mean, you, you thought Indianapolis was wild enough, but um, <laughs> uh, we had another one here, folks, to, uh, where whoa, the rain came down and it changed everything. It was a huge swing, um, big championship implications, dominance by Team Penske, um, but not maybe necessarily in the order you might expect, especially if you were watching for qualifying. But uh, in the end. Joseph Newgarden takes his, what was his fifth win of the season, I want to say? Five W's, and that is three more than anyone else has this year. Still not in the championship lead, despite five wins. I love this series. It's fucking he hilarious. Did, did some damage in the championship this week. Oh, he did. He is right in the thick of it. We'll get into the numbers on that briefly in a minute. But uh, first and foremost, let's introduce our, our side panelist, Mr. Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hi, everyone. Um... It's good to break out that catchphrase. It's been a lean. Um, it's been a lean couple of years. Oh yeah, I say lean like they aren't. They aren't runner up in the championship anyway. But no, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, it's gateway. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about another rookie on the podium, but not Christian Lingard this time. It's uh, Lithuania's finest, and uh, Zoe nicknames are on the show. Our sweet Victorian child, David Malukas, who. Had an outrageous race to finish in second and, well, very well could have won the damn thing if the race was, you know, the St. Louis 502 rather than the St. Louis 500. We'll get into that as well. And we'll talk about the state of ovals in general because this was a wild up and down race in general. We've got a lot to talk about, championship implications, all of that in the next 45 minutes or so. So let's get the housekeeping out of the way. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101. Uh, you can find us as well on, on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at Harrison 101 HD and at C Buckley 917. It's a very cozy two-man booth this time around. Uh, again, we are on Instagram, Motorsport101Pod. We've got our website, Motorsport101.com. You can check that out as well for all of our written content as well. 
as well as all of our videos and podcasts as well. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our episodes before they come out. You can also join our Discord server uh, as I listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Shout out to Jason in the chat right now listening in. Thanks, buddy. I uh, hope you're having a good shift at work, my man. And thanks for listening in. Uh, right, without further ado, let's get into IndyCar St. Louis 500 at Gateway. So, Cameron, Cameron, Cameron. Yes. Joseph Newgarden. That was a bit of a seal clubbing. Joseph Newgarden took all of that subtweet rage all of that social media toxicity and channeled it into a middle stint of the gods. It's he got to the front after, you know, an alternate strategy because there was only like, this was, this was let's I'll be real with you thanks for you folks until the caution for rain. This was quite a dull race at gateway. This was hard to pass. We were looking at really dive bombs being the only real order of the day to get around somebody. Um, so there, there was a struggle here for a while to overtake, and it was looking a bit dull. We only had one conventional caution, I would say, and that was Jack Harvey going up into the marbles and into the wall. And then after that caution, two of the three Penskys, i.e. Scott McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden, came in, you know, to, to, came in for an undercut, thought, well, if the rain's coming... We might as well get the stop out of the way now, basically. There yeah. was always this rumbling talk there was going to be rain around three-quarter distance, but we were obviously never quite sure whether it was actually going to land or not. So they went for the undercut, dropped to about eighth or ninth, and then they are roaring through the field on fresh rubber compared oh to the guys. God. Joseph, Joseph and Scotty were going around people like they turned the AI to easy. Oh, yeah, like 0% AI difficulty. They were just churning temps out of the field um, on fresh rubber. It was very similar to Iowa, where the fresh tire runners were doing so much better than guys that were on used rubber. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was... Remember that. It becomes a pretty important later. Yeah, remember that. Uh, it becomes very important later. But, yeah, um, I mean, I mean the kind of the, the, the most emblematic kind of pass of them all is Joseph gets to Pato Award in the lead, and Pato just backs out. He makes he takes a business decision and not does not even time. try to fight it. Yeah, not even for the first time this season we've seen Pato do that. Um, <laughs> basic business decisions being made here, but uh, yeah, he got out. He got, he got the hell up out of the paint, and when Joseph got to the front, next thing you know, he's eight seconds in front of McLaughlin, who was on the same strategy as him. <gasps> By the time yeah. he got to the front, like, I mean, there was a there was a stage he was pulling six tenths a lap on the field. <laughs> Incredible stuff! Incredible stuff. Also, as we record this live, Manchester United have just beaten Liverpool. <laughs> you motherfuckers! Um, sorry, I had to get that one as a United <laughs> fan. Eat shit, Jurgen Klopp. Anyway, yeah, um... I mean, I mean, even even to that effect, I mean. Mm. Had they gotten the call mid-race better for Will Power, who just set set the world on fire in qualifying oh, and yeah. led the race up to that point, mm. we probably have three out of four Penske's in the top four. Oh, yeah. Or, sorry, three three Penske's in the top four. There is no more fourth Penske anymore. Yes. Um, 
it was and there was it, it, down the stretch of the 2022 Aster Cup. They have returned. Yes. There is no doubt about it. They are back to something like their best and there is no getting around it. We've had what? Uh 15 races this season and Penske have won 8 of them. Yeah. Over 50% win rate this year. And it's Jeez, like the New Garden has a has a 33% hit rate this year. Yeah. He's won a third of the races this year. Penske as a team has won more than half. And uh, for all the hype about uh, Chip Ganassi, they have won two races on the year. One of them, thankfully, in their case, was the biggest one of them all. Such consistency, <laughs> baby. Yeah, it's and, and again, Will Power, despite having only won one race all year, is still championship leader by three points. That's where we're at right now. But New Garden, again, that middle stint, ridiculous. And then we, we, we like New Garden, like like McGuckland starting to reel him in. As time goes on, they get their final stops done about five laps before dot, dot, dot. Caution, track conditions. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I mean, they lost the track in the space of about five minutes. It poured. Yeah, it, it shuts it down for about half an hour. Um, they had to red flag it, obviously, for conditions. Um, and yeah, it was about two hours later. Did it finally stop and then obviously take enough time for the uh to get every recovery vehicle out there running laps to dry the damn thing um and they did eventually get it dry if you forget gateway does have lights um so they can run at night and indycar's priority was always we want to finish we want to finish this race we don't want to call it in the pits um so, you know, they, they were going to tr always try and get this race to a green flag finish or at least to finish under caution rather than in the pit lane on rain delay. Yeah. So we had Gateway became a night race. And in the middle of all of this, we didn't realize until right at the end after the restart, because we had 43 laps to go um, on the restart. David Belucas had come in off sequence with Takuma Sato um, about 20 laps early before the rain landed. So now, end of the race, with Maluk, everybody else struggling on tires and fuel to make the finish because it was a very marginal free-stopper. Um, just barely enough fuel and tires to go 65 laps. That's what stint. actually, that's what mm. undid Will Power's race was basically having yeah, exactly. a fuel save. Uh, he was on the nose. Yeah. yeah. Fuel save and save that set of tires for basically the whole end of the race. Yeah, it was basically you could super save and just barely, you know, just barely make a sixty-five lap stint. Um, so yeah, it was like power was right on the brink, right on the nose. David Malukas <sighs> with twenty lap fresher rubber saved through the field. David Malukas with no regard for human life. No regard for his own safety. Carves through the field. Goes around the outside of Scott McLaughlin on the final lap of the race to finish in second, which, let's not forget, is still PJ1 and still marbly and very risky to try that. To try that with on the final lap for a podium finish. To finish he pulled second. a Scotty on Scotty. Sensational. Absolutely ridiculous pass from David Malukas. 
all things considered. And that was for second place. And if this if this race if it was, was a lap one, longer. One lap longer, I think Malukas wins. <laughs> Which very possibly because uh, given the amount of risk he was showing, there's a good chance Joseph takes a business decision as well. Well, we saw it before with Simon Pagano a few years back. You know that one very well, Cam, where he, he hip checked him into turn one. He he like that was that was the new garden move to win that race. And I know Pagano was not best pleased about that one. Um but you know, you do what you gotta do, you know what yeah. I mean? And but what what a race that was, what a finish that was. And you look at the championship scenario now, Cam, and Let's be real here. This is a four-horse race now, really. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah. everyone finish. behind there basically has to sweep the remainder of the year, and given the, the trend so far this season, that's just not mm. going to happen. Yeah, this this is the closest top four in the IndyCar series since 2002. The top four are now separated by 17 points with two to go. We're at Portland next week. And then the season finale at Laguna Seca on September the 11th. Yeah, I mean, and between those four, and on current form, I'd say like, like three of the four are hitting their peak of the season right now. Yeah, I would say, again, like, Dixon's been a little f- quiet, but this is Dixon. He, he This is what he does. He, he's a silent killer. His floor is just so. I mean, we joked about uh, just during qualifying. Cam, remember where you said? So what was that about that Dixon pace when he qualified sixth? And then I said to you in retort, "Yeah, that's the thing, Cam. He'll finish there, and we won't even talk about it." And about, like, oh yeah, Dixon was sixth, and that's yeah. basically what happened. He finished in eighth, but it didn't really matter very much because two of his rivals, Will Power, was sixth, and Marcus was seventh. So it, it's marginal like we're talking a couple of points here and there and that's yeah like the only the only championship contender that really did any damage this weekend was Newgarden. everyone else pretty much finished around each other yeah like mclaughlin and o'ward needed wins third and fourth is just not gonna cut it at this point so it's yeah like dixon wasn't particularly great but then again no neither was anybody else besides Newgarden. so he kind of got away with it really so everyone's just bunched up again it's we didn't really learn very much new about this title race off the back of this race but it's still fascinating to see that the top four are all so close and like you said they're all playing to their strengths marcus erickson another top 10 finish i think that's the 10th one he's had all year he just he's not good i said it during nashville he he needs one more big result and i'm not sure he's got it in him and that's yeah, going to be his, the problem his with floor Berkson. is basically where his ceiling is. He's yeah. always going to land, you know, f- fourth to eighth every mm. single week. And <laughs> contrast that with Newgarden, who is racking up wins left and right. Oh, what could have been in mm. the land of corn? Because <laughs> as we we talked about in the pre in the pre show for this, Stray. Mm. That was a 45-point swing, New Garden's rear suspension collapsing in Iowa, too. It might be a championship-defining team failure that New Garden... I mean, I must admit, New Garden admitted after he won that race, he'd actually gone around and apparently apologized to his pit crew 
because apparently he said he'd snapped at them a couple of times over the course of the season because of minor mistakes. And he realizes how important they are and how important this is. He knows how close it is. He knows that it's going to come down to these really, really slim margins. But with well, Newgarden, everyone here does. I mean, mm. everyone, everyone at Chip Ganassi Racing and everyone at Team Penske know every piece matters. Oh, they yeah. have they have the trophy cabinets to back them up. Oh yeah, uh, both talk, teams do. And, and we're talking about a two-time Master Cup winner in his own right. He knows what he needs to do. He had remember he's had his own heart-in-mouth moment at Watkins Glen a couple of years ago, yeah. where that pit exit error you know cost him big. He, he knows what it's like to be on both sides of the coin. His ceiling is the highest of anybody in this series. New Garden, at his best, is absolutely ridiculous. He, like, you watch him like he's a fucking video game. But he's also had half a dozen finishes outside the top 10, and that's what's hurt him. And Iowa is going to be the one that sticks out so much if he doesn't win this championship, because that was a, a nearly entire race worth of point swing where right now, if, if if he holds up and does the double in Iowa, we're talking about how can you go and clinch it in, the, in two weeks' time. <clears throat> Instead, he trails by three. Instead, he's down by three, and Will Power has barely put a foot wrong all season. Well, to that same effect with Power, that, that mid-race call that left him effectively stranded on the wrong strategy, mm. that could be a title definer because... I mean, up to the up to that point in that race, Will Power was looking just untouchable. unstoppable. Yeah, untouchable. No one could get anywhere near him. He led 128 laps before that strategy call. Basically half the race. Yeah. And um, yeah, the fact that he was... They, they put him on the barely hanging in there three-stop strategy instead of the more aggressive three-stopper that the other guys went off sequence to do in the end it cost him it cost him what could have been the win a good chance at the win and it, instead it's sixth that's a huge swing again that you know that's that's 30 plus points that could have gone the other way and uh, it goes without saying the fourth title protagonist here i mean we know where their opportunity was missed mm. entering the pit lane at the indy 500 because oh we're Dixon. not for that Dixon basically already has this title under lock and key. Yeah, Dixon's Dixon's got this clinched. If if he wins the five hundred, it's over at that point in time, right? I mean, the only threat would be Marcus Ericsson. No, because Ericsson is a threat because he won the five hundred. Yeah, Ericsson probably still finished. Like Ericsson would be the only threat because he'd still probably finished in the top four. Yeah. And that's it, it's it's a drop off, but it's not that big a drop off. But Ericsson would be the only guy in his postcode at this point. Uh, it's amazing would... to see just kind of going kind of going through them that mm. all four major title protagonists have left huge quantities of points on the table. Yeah, yeah, both the... of their own volition and team mistakes. Yeah, power. You've got the Indy Five Hundred. You've got Road America. You know, Toronto was his own doing. You know, you, you could, you know, Road America certainly wasn't. Penske's not been good at the 500 for a good two or three years now overall. New Garden has had clumsy rounds. Indianapolis did a first Indy road course race. He was in a three car crunch. You know, Alabama, he was poor and on the wrong strategy. St. Pete, he was nowhere to be found in the race. 
you know, he's had his moments. And of course, that was all of that. And the rear suspension failure in Iowa, and he's only down by three. Which goes to show you how good the highs have been for New Gun because he's won five races this season. Dixon, again, the 500, you mentioned it. That's the big one. That's really, like, in fact, looking at it now. That's the that's only the, real mistake he's made all year. That's, that's the only race he's finished outside of the top 10 all season. And it's the race he led the whole, he led the whole race. He led three quarters of that race. Dixon, like Dixon, without even realizing it, has been incredible this season. His consistency has been even greater it's, than it's Marcus. The polar, it's the polar opposite of Newgarden. He hasn't had the highs, but he's just been, you know, in that Scott Dixon way, just consistently operating at such high consistency. Just gives you very little margin for error. That's that's how it goes. And Marcus, as you said. Won the 500, propped his, propped his point total up a little bit, but he's had 11 top 10s this season. But he had a sloppy day at Nashville. He was only, he had to start from the back due to an engine failure at the second, you know, in the, in the road course race at Gallagher, the Gallagher Grand Prix. He had to come from the back to finish 11th. You know, Long Beach, he was in the wall on, on that day in 22nd. So it, it was memed. It was memed as they were driving past at the end. Marcus Erickson staring into the abyss from the side of the track. They've all left points on the table. And yet here we are with two races to go. And any one of these four could conceivably still win it. That's how wild this title race is. It's it's actually remarkable that, you know, that it's this close after 15 races. We still have two to go. We've got to talk a little bit more about David Malukas as well, Cam, because again, this is the if this is the St. Louis five oh two, Malukas probably wins this race. Yeah. What a performance that was. I mean, that was he was dry it's like he turned the game to easy mode. He mm. was driving around people like they had four flat tires. He yeah. put a Scotty on Scotty McLaughlin. And yes, it's very easy to point out that yes, he does drive for Dale Coyne. Yes, we all know Dale Coyne are the masters of the off-sequence strategy. They are you have very to make good it work. This. You're the guy you, behind the wheel. You got to make it work. But that's the point I was going to make, and you're absolutely right to say this. The point I was going to add to this is that Malukas was running top eight all day. This is this has been coming. I mean, yes, Nashville, Nashville. He was having a great day that unfortunately ended being speared by Kyle Kirkwood. He was running eighth during that race with Kirkwood directly behind him in ninth. They were running in the top ten, both of them, and then Kirkwood took a late lunge and that put was, them both that in was the post pit stop. Remember, he was hounding Dixon for third. Yeah, Malukas was right in the mix for a podium finish that day, and he was put in the wall. He's been qualifying been little flashes of it here and there all yeah. season. He's been banging on the door. Like you know what it is? I think I said it in the in my script notes. Post Indy five hundred, he was very high profile for not winning Rookie of the Year at the Indy 500. But let's not forget, comes with a check for $25,000, which, you know, for a, a smaller you know, for a smaller team, that's a lot of chickens. And we all said that it was a farce that he didn't win it over Jimmy Johnson. And I've joked on this show since then that he's been driving like Jimmy Johnson still owes him money. And... <laughs> Ever since or like then. the whole field load of money on side. I mean, and he mm. was, mm. and the best part is that it wasn't just the speed; it was how he handled it. It's how he he went through the field very clean. He picked his moves, 
Mm. Which is literally that's the key on the oval because if you get that move if he gets that move wrong around Scotty on the last lap, they're both in the wall. It's all for naught. Yeah, he judged it to perfection. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure Scott acknowledged it and actually praised him on Twitter for it afterwards. I'm going to find the tweet real quick. Yeah, McLaughlin tweeted and I quote at the end. Uh, uh, I think let me find it. I can see if I can find it real quick. Actually, no. I think he actually deleted it. Funnily enough, which is a shame because it was nothing but complimentary regarding Manu. Because like, I found it. Yep, yep. So from yesterday. Yep. Quote: Kids, good. Appreciate good racing. Um, McLaughlin just had to hold his hands up. He, he got me. It's as simple as that. And yeah, this kid is the truth. Like this kid is insanely talented. Like I said back in March when I was doing an Ask Dre about this, that I think Malukas very much went under the radar. Um, Of course, understandably, all the hype went in Carl Kirkwood's direction, and rightly so. Kirkwood was, of course, a a once-in-a-generation road-to-Indy prospect in terms of what he'd done and what he'd won. We we may have done a video about that somewhere. It's on the internet. Um, But... Kirk, it's easy to forget that in Indy Lights last year, Malukas followed him all the way to the end. Yeah, and those two were the clear head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah, Malukas was only a handful of points behind Kirkwood the whole way through. Wasn't as spectacular as Kirkwood, but got the results, followed him through, made it a title fight that went to the final race, and as you said, was far better than anybody else in Indy Lights that season. And, you know, again, Kirkwood got the big move. To, it, was, it was meant to be going to Andretti. Didn't get it. Went to Foyt. He was in all the newspapers, all the headlines. Malukas went to Dale Coyne, and I said to people straight away, that's the best team for a rookie in IndyCar because they get the most out of rookies and young talent. Dale does a, such a good job with nurturing young drivers. He did it before. He has, with he has the right men, He has the mm. right mentality mm. when it comes he, to people coming into that. And even, even if it's not a rookie in the traditional sense, look at what Grosjean did with them compared to how it's been with Andretti this year. Yeah. The, the, we, we, I know maybe, maybe with Grosjean, expectations have tainted that a little bit to a degree. Now he's of Andretti rather than Dale Coyne, but Dale Coyne put an arm around Grosjean. He's put an arm around. He's that sort of guy. He's, he's put an arm around Malukas. He, of course, Malukas has had his teething problems. No one's disputing that. But you look back a little bit, you look at Alex Pillow. I mean, he was a rookie. He came through Dale Coyne's ranks. You look at Ed Jones, who had a fantastic rookie season his first year in IndyCar, led a good chunk of laps at the 500 that year, where was, again, should have been the real rookie of the year in that car that year. And said some Spanish guy got it. But, you know. <laughs> I wonder whatever happened to him. Yeah, I don't know. He's going to be driving in green next year. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just in general, like they they are they're one of the smaller teams in IndyCar. One of one of the minnows from mm. you know really from the the split era. Mm. And this thing is they they run the team the right way. Yes. You, you will never you will never look at Dale Coin Racing and think, oh, they need to make a major change. They run their team the right way, and they usually get the most out of what's on the table for them. Yeah, they will rarely ever snag the best drivers in the field, the established big names. But they look outside the box. 
They bring in talent that might be a little bit rough around the edges. They work with people. They put arms around their drivers, and they get the best out of them. And David Malukas is another shining example of that. You compare Malukas to the highly touted prospect coming in in Christian Lingard. And this is no disrespect to Lingard at all. He's, 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 again, another excellent rookie season for Lingard so far this year. And there's only 11 points between them in the rookie of the year standings. But Lingard is a guy that should have probably made Formula 1 at some point. He was very unlucky at ART when he was in Formula 2. We, 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 we joke that there is a curse on the 10 car because Formula 2 often treats its second seat as a spare parts car, as an engineering plaything, you know, as a resource car. Hence why often you want to be the lead driver in these teams. And Lingard was very unlucky in his time in Formula 2. He'd won sprint and feature races in Formula 2. Yeah. So yeah, and he, he was a proven he, he was a proven quantity. Yeah, and he he massively impressed the field when he had his one-off appearance here last year in IndyCar when he was at the Indianapolis Road Course. He he made the fast six on debut. And yeah. everybody was like that's done more for his stock in half an hour's work than two years of Formula Two did for him. I say, so, it's, 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 people need to people need to look at when you're looking. IndyCar is hard, very hard, and to kick in the door and be in the Fast Six first appearance for a team that is very middle of the road mm. should not be underestimated. Agreed. Like, and this is, again, none of this comparison is to smite Lungard. He's having a great rookie season in his own right been in the top 10 six times this season that's very impressive I say, um, I, there's there's been more than a few times where he has been the most impressive rll car because they are not having a great year they're not but lingard has been i mean let's put it to you this way there was heavy rumors about lingard and the number 10 car until about f- three weeks ago when the, the city season really broke down and like RLL has done a tremendous job in tying him down for another two years. Um, that's a that's a coup for RLL because Marshall Pruitt was was talking about him and the possi- possibly in the ten car, which is crazy talk that a like, like the chip was considering gambling on a rookie again. Um, so all of this is is to say that this rookie class, or at least I mean. And I want to give Callum Mylot his flowers as well because he's driving for Jinko, so you have next to nothing in terms of resources. But, you know, maybe the, the smallest team in IndyCar, and he's been very impressive as well on occasion. He's fighting for, the, for those top ten spots, just outside of them a lot of the time. You know, true rookie status, and he like the top three of the rookies in this championship this year have been very, very good, in and they've all stood out. But Malukas, that was. For a guy to go gonna under be, the... It's going to be yeah. hard to top that in the last couple yeah. of races. And we're saying this, what, two rounds after Lungard was on the podium at Indianapolis? I mean, wow. This is a this is a very impressive rookie class. And if they land in the right seats in the future, the, the future of this series is going to be very bright indeed. Like, we forget, David Malukas is... He only, he only turns 21 next month. Like... He, he could be a 20-year veteran of this series. Yeah. Easy. No, easily. I mean, we got confirmation earlier this week that, that Helio Castroneves is coming back for his he age 48. He won't log off. His age 48 season. 
<laughs> Drive for five will never end. Henio's going to be trying this at age 60 just because he can. It's like, and, his, I, and his hair will still be magnificent. Just immaculate. Magnificent hair. Mm. But yeah, d- d- just in general, I mean, it's been an... In- like, Christian Lingard is only eight points behind Romain Grosjean in the championship. And Malukas is only 11 points behind him. Malukas and Lingard belong in this series. They are, they are like him and Callum Ilo are the two reasons why F2 and IndyCar are twerking at each other looking for seats. Because <laughs> they're like, ooh. <laughs> I want to go over there. I want to come over here. I mean, down the year for Indy Lights, down the year for Formula 2, they're going to look at each other like, hmm, America sounds cool this time of year. You know, so don't don't ever think that it's not cool here no you know just 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 the force just the force i mean before we get out of here as well cam this is going to be a shorter one anyway but is it just me or am i slightly concerned about the lack of overs on this calendar because like all the drivers apparently seemingly loved this race at gateway yeah. um it's and- it, it, it's been an ongoing thing since we lost the triangle since we mm. lost pocono a couple of uh, a couple of seasons ago yeah, and like, it's I I King and I once had a very long into the morning drunken discussion about this that <laughs> there is there's there's not so much a a trend with IndyCar because regarding the oval to road course split it's always kind of adjusted with the times right sometimes there's been more ovals. Sometimes there's been more road courses and kind of had anything in between. Right. Now, mm, go, go on. I was going to say, like, I'm still a relatively newer IndyCar fan. This is, I think this is my sixth full season watching now. So I'm still reasonably new compared to a lot more experienced people who know their American motorsport at the back of their hands, and I'm never going to argue with them. But... It feels like the ovals have become second fiddle in IndyCar outside of the 500, obviously. Oh, absolutely. It, it, like, we lost Phoenix. You know, we, you know we, we've lost Phoenix. Texas is, you know, up in the air going forward. Texas, I know is, a- Texas is a mixed bag because since the reconfiguration of that track... Mm. I don't think it has been one of the most universally panned ovals in NASCAR and in IndyCar. Yeah, um, because it, it it's uh, it's been turned into a one lane racetrack, right? And that's a problem. I mean, they got away with it in IndyCar this year because we had an incredible finish. But we had an incredible the first finish, half of that race was, was dog yeah. shit. It was all the first it was, half was dreadful. It was the worst race of the year for the first half. And then one of the best in the second half because it really turned into a one and a half lane racetrack, and people were willing to risk their risk their races to go dip their right side wheels up into the uh, the darkened region by darkened by the PJ one and the resin. Right. Um, we only let's say we only have four ovals on the calendar now. It's Texas, it's Gateway, it's Iowa, and it's Indianapolis. And yeah. Iowa is a is a double rate is a double header weekend now, so that even that takes some of the edge off it because, I mean, race two at Iowa was going the same way race one was if it, until New Garden suspension broke, and it wasn't particularly captivating either. It was just another run of the mill oh, average it's, it's, over race. 
we we used to have a, a big variety of different ovals, everything from the full you know the full super speedway style track, uh, Michigan, California, um, and Indianapolis. You know, huge expansive ovals, and then we lost them. And then we had kind of the closest thing to Indy, you know, minus one, uh, minus one section in Pocono. Now that's gone. And all we're really left with is Indy, two short ovals, which are very similar to one another. And then Texas, which is just every, the whole, it feels like the whole IndyCar fan contingent groans every time we roll into Texas. Right. It's like, oh God, Texas. Oh, here comes the PJ one again. You know, Indy is Indy, as I mentioned before. Texas is a mixed bag, and the future of that track is up in the air as well at the moment. There's, isn't there talk they might just knock the whole damn thing down? Yeah, there is There is talk that they are going to do a wholesale reconfiguration of that track from, from <sighs> people who would know that have kind of been speaking out into the NASCAR media over the last two or three weeks. Right. Right, so that's up in the air. Gateway is gateway. The drivers seem to really like Gateway, at least. Um, but we kind of got away with one here with the rain, because this was, again, it was not a particularly captivating race until the threat of rain ho- hovered over the track and the strategic plays that came with that. Because until that point, it was looking like Dive Bomb City, bitch, the whole way through and just one lane racing. I mean, and but the drivers it love it. I mean... The well, I think it's been, just hmm. the fact that they get to go drive an oval because mm. it is getting more rare. And really, modern IndyCar has been built on the idea of it being, you know, the, the multiple disciplines, the street circuits, road co- the permanent road courses and ovals. This Again, mm. this is a newer trend. This is not so much historic when it comes to IndyCar. But then right. there's no greater trend in this world than manufactured nostalgia, is there? No, none. And- um, but... But the the issue you're getting now is that there you're in markets that you know you're you're kind of crowded out of, mm-hmm. or the suitable ovals are not up to scratch. I will still go. I will still go to get up on that hill. That Pocono as a track layout is okay. It's yeah. more. It's the facilities and the the chicken wire catch fencing, Ugh. which is really not acceptable. That needs to be improved. But then. Pocono doesn't have the money because they don't have a race date. All they have is a double NASCAR day now. Right. So um, it, it's it one like it's like one hand feeds the other. Like it's like magician's exactly. left hand and magician's right hand. You can't have one without the other. If you, then, you need both to do to do the trick. So yeah. you know it's like And then you have other ovals that whether through reconfiguration or just the development of the cars that are just not suitable for this. Yeah. I will sit like, there and tell you. There is a couple of tracks that we could go to that we could put on a good show at, mm-hmm. but due to events in the past, we're just not going to go back there. Fontana? I think we, uh, I wouldn't even say Fontana, although that, well, cause, no, because that track is gone. <laughs> that track doesn't exist anymore. Really? They got rid of it? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah they're, uh, they're, they're knocking that track down, replacing it with a short track. Oh, the but last yeah, time that we was... to Fontana, that was in, that was the, the most incredible oval race I've ever seen. <laughs> but it was incredible for all the be- the good and wrong reasons because yeah. it was like this is great, but also oh god, I am having a heart attack. Oh yeah, no, I was, was thinking more along the lines of uh, a certain track out in the Midwest that we could go to, we could put on a good show there, but 
I don't want to, given what I watched there 11 years ago. So, Vegas. yeah. Yeah. Vegas. Because mm. tracks like that, you really need to nail the package. And tra- other tracks, like, they're just too fast for these cars. Right. And pack racing, no matter what, it just it's not... It's not something we can do in open wheel safety. Yeah, I love that Steve in our chat's like, "Be right back." Emailing Roger to bring the series back to Richmond. <laughs> yeah, rebuild Nazareth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, the Milwaukee Mile's been mentioned before, potentially maybe for twenty twenty four. That might make a comeback. Apparently, um, there's 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 still rumblings about certain places, but it still looks like the ovals are shrinking. And I mean, these quotes from the drivers are overwhelmingly positive about Gateway. I mean, McLaughlin said, quote, it's just special to be able to race an IndyCar on an oval. It's part of the DNA of racing. Certainly hope there's more ovals in the future. I think many of us would agree with me. I've just had good teammates, got a good team, good cars for me to be able to extract the speed and be really comfortable and learn quickly. I'm very thankful for that. Scott Dixon said, Kentucky was always fun. Reminisce Dixon when asked where he'd like to see the series visit. It was quite a demanding circuit, but always played well for IndyCar racing. Richmond, I know we were pretty close to being back there, apart from the situation with COVID. I just think we need to get back to more ovals, which I think everybody can definitely agree on that. It's just picking the right ones, picking the right partnerships to do exactly what they've done here in Iowa or here in St. Louis. But that's Dixon. That was Dixon after the race, and I think I, I think Dixon uh, hit the nail right on the head. Like you, like he so often does. Why are you so perfect, Dixon? God, it's, it's the pancake diet. <laughs> exactly. Very, very, very true. But no, I, I'm all for it. I, I, I love oval racing mostly because you just don't get it in any other series. It's not a European thing where I grew up, obviously, and. NASCAR is a different ball game entirely, but to see open-wheeled cars on that oval will always intrigue me, will always captivate me as a racing fan. So I'd love to see more of them, but it doesn't seem to be leaning that way. I hope IndyCar heeds, and I hope more people come forward like Hy-Vee did for Iowa, because what they did for Iowa over that weekend was incredible. And I wish more partners would do that with some of their other local oval tracks and, you know, bring IndyCar back and make it more of a spectacle. Well, and not only that, it's not just that as well. Mm. If you put on that show, the people need to come. Absolutely. And too too often did they go out to an oval and it was a bunch of hype behind the race in the last, you know, 10 years or so. And it just ended up turning out to be a damp squid. Yeah. You know, they need, um, they or, need banker or, audiences. Or in the case of the New Hampshire race 11 year, or years ago, everything that could have gone wrong did. Right. I almost went to that race. And if Oof. I wanted to get rained on and watch an IndyCar race control botch a race over and over, I could have seen Will Power flip the double bird in person. Wouldn't that have been fun? Instead, I was a smart person, my dad was a smart person, and we both stayed home, stayed dry, and watched the shit show from the comfort of our homes. Smart call. Smart call. Tony Kanaan destroyed a a Portageon during that race, and it was like the third most notable thing that happened. I didn't even know that was a thing until this weekend where I saw it on Twitter. Hilarious scenes. Just destroyed a portaloo. That's that's one way to take out the trash. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) hopefully more ovals soon. IndyCar is back in, I want to say, two weeks' time at Portland. Yes, sir. Um, 
Yeah. Also, say hi to some of the M101 gang because quite a few of us in our Discord are going to be down there at this Grand Prix this um, next weekend. Um, shout out to our, our guys, Tony. Our Discord wifey, Zoe, is going to be down there. Ryan Eric King will be down there as well in Portland. So if you do spot him around, tell him, tell him Motorsport 101 sent you and say Not hi. only that, hmm. everyone's favorite racing executive might just end up landing one of our most famed awards hmm i'll give you a hint it's golden colored just 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 a thought we're, we're hoping we're praying we're hoping that this man shows up i'll give you a hint he's really bad with contracts just throwing that out there just hold on to that thought yeah <laughs> so yeah well, that was IndyCar. We'll be back in Portland in a fortnight's time. And, uh, yeah, just two races to go. Top four covered by 17 points. It's going to be a great time. But until then, uh, basically you can find us one more time. YouTube, Facebook, motorsport101.com. Our website's on there. Just have a Google. You'll find it anyway. Um, Instagram, motorsport101pod. Our personal handles, Harrison101HD, at cbuckley 917 We've put it off long enough. Next week, Formula One returns with the Belgian Grand Prix. Now, uh, hopefully, we'll actually get one this year. That would be nice, wouldn't it? So, uh, all I will say is... You'll be happy to know that it's forecasted for rain on Sunday. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Uh, Great, great. Hopefully, it doesn't rain too hard. But yes, the Belgian Grand Prix, Formula One, will be all back for that next week the summer break is over let the rain well hopefully toto blesses some different rain in africa and brings it over and keeps it away from spa whatever i didn't know where that analogy was going but i kind of botched it doesn't matter i've been dre harrison he's been cam buckley we'll see you next time sayonara Sadly, it looks like Pelot won't leave the sport as a double champion. Ugh, what a shame. What Breaks a shame. my heart. But at least he could get some fried chicken on the way out, right? It makes everything better. Damn straight. Suck it, Jurgen Klopp. <laughs>